Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Today's reading is taken from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 6 to 18. Naomi and Ruth return. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, She set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I'm too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Good morning, everybody. I think if you know me at all, you know that I don't very easily sit here. I just get really nervous. (laughs) But I do feel that I've got something to say about the book of Ruth, and so that's why I actually volunteered to speak. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that is (laughs) life-changing. So I just want to start by saying uh, why I love the book of Ruth, because I really do. It's a fantastic book. So my story is like back in 2007, uh, there was huge excitement in my family. My dad was getting married. So this was really exciting to us. So a couple of years before, uh, we'd had this 
devastating time we'd been through. My, my mum had really suddenly died, and it was completely unexpected. It had been a really big shock to us as a family. Um, awful for me. My kids were quite young, and she, you know, a horrible thing to go through. And my dad was really lost without my mum. It was just like a real time of hardship. And then you know, my dad met somebody new, and it was just lovely. I went to meet her, and she was just, I really like her. She's fantastic. The kids loved her. And there was a huge excitement, and we built up to this big day of them getting married. Um, and it was the happiest day. And we hoped that they'd have lots of happy years together. It was so good. And then, maybe two and a half years later, I got a phone call to say, come to the hospital straight away. That my dad had been taken into hospital in an ambulance. And we rushed there, me and Janet, his wife, together. And we got the news that he wasn't going to recover, he was going to die. And so, we spent this long time, day after day, sitting by his bedside whilst he died. And it was really traumatic. Um, yeah, really hard for both of us. But I think particularly hard for her, obviously, because they'd just got married. There was so much joy of the time they'd had together. And um, what could I do? I could just be there sitting with her while she suffered. Um, and there's something about being through that hardship together, actually, that brought us really close. And it's really hard to kind of put that into words. But I'm just glad that I was there for her. It was, I don't know, sitting there in the midst of all that suffering. And so for me, when I read the book of Ruth, I can kind of see my own experiences in that story. When she kind of shares about the loss and the hardship and the despair, I can relate to that. When we talk about walking with those that are suffering and not counting the cost, I've been there and I've done that. And when I remember the journey of Ruth to finding God, it reminds me of my own journey of finding God and that kind of being captivated by the love of God. I can really understand Ruth. And then there's times where I've had to trust God, not knowing how things are going to work out and taking huge risks. Um, and so I can relate to that. And then there's things I'll never get the answer to as well. Why do we suffer? And then Ruth helps us to see that actually we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves and that speaks hope into our lives. So that's why I love the book of Ruth. <laughs> I could stop there really, but, it's, but I have got a passage to look at. And so you probably noticed in that passage, there's quite a lot of walking going on. I don't know if you noticed that. And so around that kind of theme of walking, I'm gonna put it three headings, walking back, walking with God, and then walking kindness, and that kind of guide us through the passage. So walking back. Okay, so last week we saw Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons. They left Bethlehem in a time of famine, and they moved to Moab. And then tragedy after tragedy hit this family. Elimelech dies. Naomi's two sons, they're married Moabite women, but for 10 years they have no children. And then both of the sons die. And so with no male relatives in this kind of patriarchal world, these three women are alone, vulnerable, and powerless. And that's where we left it last week. And so this week, we do start with a glimmer of hope. Verse 6 says this, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and return to their homeland. So the story's kind of switched, and it's become a story about Naomi. 
And so I think it's really important to, to understand this passage is that we look at who Naomi actually is and what we can find out from this particular bit. And so we see that actually, even though she's left Judah quite a few years beforehand, she still has this really Hebrew way of thinking, of viewing the world, which was seeing things being tied directly um, to the hand of God, visiting them either with kind of blessing or with punishment. And so if we look at Deuteronomy 28, this is probably the best passage for summing up this kind of way of thinking. It says this, all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, your baskets, your kneading trough will be blessed, blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. And then likewise, it says that if you do not obey the Lord your God, then these curses will come upon you and overtake you, cursed in the city, cursed in the country. And so it goes on. Um, and so this Hebrew way of looking at things, they also would be taught to kind of remember God and wait on God as they're waiting for that blessing again. And so looking back at Deuteronomy again, Deuteronomy 6 says this, you know, commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you go to bed, when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. It's this habit of remembering God. It strengthened their hope that God would act again on their behalf. And so when Naomi sees that blessing has come again to her homeland, she has this way of thinking. And despite from all these years of being disconnected from Judah, she counts herself included in that blessing. But then at the same time, we see that Naomi also is a woman struggling with God. She says this about herself, the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. She blames God for all her suffering. She would have been taught to trust God for protection and care. And yet her suffering seems so undeserved, we get no explanation for it. Naomi's really open and vocal about how she laments about this. And through like Naomi's example, I think we can see that actually it is okay to come to God with our questions, to cry out to God, to kind of speak bitterly to God in our despair and our disappointment, that she models this for us. We don't know the reasons why we suffer, and yet we've got to take that to God. I think when we look into the book of Psalms, this really helps us to learn to lament. If you think back to when we looked at Psalms, I think last summer, uh, for example, Psalm 10 says this, Why, O Lord, are you so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We've just got to sit with those questions with God and then allow God in the midst of that to come and comfort us. And so we see, like, in, with all this despair and this struggle, this is Naomi as she begins to walk back to Bethlehem with her daughters-in-law. So walking back with God, the next bit we're going to look at. So they get so far along the road, and then Naomi turns to her daughters-in-law, and she tries to persuade them to go back. She knows that what she has got can't provide for their future. Back in Moab, they had more chance of finding a husband, finding happiness, and so she tries to free them from any obligation they might feel towards her. Um, the response to this is they weep. They weep loudly. <laughs> I think this is really revealing about their relationship. 
like you don't weep loudly if you don't have that connection. And I think that these 10 years that they've been together with this grief and loss has really bound these women together really strongly. And yet Naomi, in her compassion, wants to free them so they can go and find happiness elsewhere. And so they're at this point of decision on this walk. What are they going to do? Are they going to go back? Are they going to go on? Orpah's persuaded by Naomi's arguments. She weighs up all the facts, and she just makes a logical choice. She's actually obedient to Naomi. She does a sensible thing, and she goes back to Moab. And there's no criticism of her for doing that. She just does what seems like a good option for her. Um, but I just thought, you know, before we just move on from Orpah, and that's the end of her, I just thought, you know, maybe sometimes we can be a bit like her. Can we sometimes, like... Go for what might seem like a good option, but actually it's not what God is telling us to do. Can we kind of go on this sensible trajectory in life and God is really pulling us in another direction? Is there something else that you need to be doing with your life? Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so we can move on from her now. Yeah, just think about that. Ruth, however, she's not persuaded to go back and she gives this beautiful poetic response. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do anything but death part you and me. So this is a powerful speech and we see so much about Ruth's character through this. It's, she's a woman who Boaz then later refers to as a woman of noble character. In this, she's discarding all hope for the future, a future happiness, as she might see it. It's really costly what she's deciding to do. She is kind of walking with so much uncertainty. No, she's got no great promise of blessing over her future, unlike Abraham, who walked with that promise of blessing. She's deciding something that might lead her to emptiness, to rejection, maybe even to her death. And she's committing herself to, completely to the life of this widow in a, in a time where you know, life completely depended on men and she'd be right at the bottom of society. So we don't, we don't know totally what's at the bottom of Ruth's choice, but I would say that she's lived in this household for so many years and seen God work, seen, well, seen God even like through the disappointments and the despair, it's been a household of God at the center. And I think we can get some real encouragement from that, that no matter what we are going through, actually our lives speak so much volume about God, don't they? And that even in suffering, we can show God to people around us. Um, so at the heart of Ruth's decision, there's God. And we know that because she says, where you die, I will die. She's saying, even when you're dead, I'm going to stay and I'll die in the same place. I'll be buried in the family tomb. She's committing herself completely to God. What she's seen of God has simply drawn her. The New Testament describes finding God in a really similar way. Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46 say this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking out for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. When we find God, we find like a similar challenge just to leave everything about our old life behind and live in a radically different way. Same as Ruth is doing here. Jesus says this in Mark 8, verses 34 to 36. If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the good news, you'll save it. What do you benefit if you gain a whole world and yet you lose your soul? Following God is really costly. And I just wonder whether God is challenging you today to make that decision. Maybe you're not a follower of God. And if you feel like you want to do that, then don't go today without having spoken to someone, get someone to talk it through and pray with you. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, maybe there's a challenge there to, you know, are you really living in the same way you did when you first encountered God? Is he really that treasure that you sell everything and follow after? There's a bit of a challenge in there, isn't there, in Ruth's life? So walking in kindness... Ruth not only commits herself to God, but she commits herself to walking with Naomi. No matter how it goes, they're going to walk together. Where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. And may God punish me severely if I do anything, if anything but death separates us. So when we're looking at this final bit of the passage, I just wanted to look at that, a word in this passage that's translated as kindness or loving kindness in some versions. And, you know, sometimes our English words don't really translate what was originally meant very well. So the Hebrew word is hesed. Got a great Hebrew accent there. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it. Hesed. But this word actually is often used to describe God. So God describes himself this way in Exodus 34. He says he's compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in this hesed love and faithfulness. Uh, so it's kind of a combination of his faithfulness along with his loving care. And this word is also used to describe like the actions of God's people when they choose to love in the same way. They choose to love and take care of each other in a self-sacrificial way, no matter what the personal cost. I think it actually could be described as a love your neighbor as yourself way of living. Pouring yourself out for the good of someone else and not counting the cost. And so actually this word, even though it's not used very much in the book of Ruth, the whole book is about it. It's one of the big themes of the book that actually were kind of soaked in this word through the actions of the people. And so we see this word, first of all, Naomi talks about it when she talks about her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, saying that they showed this kindness towards her. And then in return, Naomi displays that kindness to them by releasing them into a, ha a happy future. Go and find happiness yourself, a great personal cost to Naomi. So that's what the word's all about. And then we see this amazing example of kindness from Ruth when she lays down all her future to walk with Naomi, not knowing what the future's going to hold for both of them. Um, and I think like the most powerful, obviously, the greatest example of loving kindness we will ever find in the Bible is Jesus. 
his loving kindness towards us meant that he freely chose to go to the cross, laying down his life so that we could find life and hope in our relationship with God. And then now as followers of Jesus, we show that same love to the world through our own actions. I think 1 John 4 sums this up really well. It says this, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us so much, we ought to love each other. If we love each other, God lives in us and his, his love is brought to its full expression in us. That's great. So I'm just thinking about this word, like how do then do I live in this word today? So back to my story at the beginning, it was just sitting at that bedside, sitting with Janet whilst my dad was dying. And then maybe, you know, my everyday life at the moment, it might be making myself available to people who need that support, people around me that are suffering. Um, maybe it's encouraging someone, you know, when people say, oh, I'm fine, but you kind of know they're not fine. It's that pushing through and saying, you know, do you want some time? Let's go and get a coffee, encourage them. So that's that kind of walking in life and that's love your neighbor as yourself way of doing things. For me, it might mean rescheduling my life, which I find really hard. I love a schedule. <laughs> but rescheduling things so I can take someone somewhere they need to go, I take them to an appointment, wait outside, afterwards talk it through, go for another coffee. Lots of coffees going on. <laughs> but taking that time just to give my life, give it to be available to people and not count the cost. And I think there's also a way that we can show this compassion to people we don't know as well, like through things like giving to the food bank and giving to the baby bank. You know, it's showing that laying down your life for the good of other people. It's a walking with this kindness is a really powerful way of showing God to the world. And so when we get to the end of this passage, actually, we see that God hasn't left Naomi. Even though she can't see it at the moment, his kindness is being shown by Ruth. So she's not walking back alone. Ruth's with her when she walks back to Bethlehem. Uh, one author puts it really beautiful, beautifully, says, despair and hope are traveling side by side. What a lovely picture. Yeah. So how are we doing? I just wanted to, want to get a bit of time just to think this through, really. I want you to, you know, how's God challenging you on this, this morning? Um, I don't know if we haven't got time to go back to worship, we? but I just thought let's just... Um, Think about this, like which one are you like in this story today? Just, just take a minute and just close your eyes and maybe just put your hands out and offer to God what you are thinking at the moment. You know, are you like Naomi in this story? Are you coming to God with your struggles and your questions? Are you suffering? Do you need the support of those around you? Do you need people to lean on? Give that to God this morning. Are you like Ruth? Are you feeling challenged to live a self-sacrificially kind of life, laying your life down for others? Is God challenging you? Are you living that way? Do you just need God to say to you, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Let me encourage you to keep walking that way. And let me just finish by praying for us then. Father God, I just thank you for your loving care, your loving kindness towards us. That when we were so lost, you sent your son Jesus to lay down his life for us so that we didn't have to walk through life alone, Father. Thank you for this wonderful actions that we see in the book of Ruth that remind us of this, Father God. And I just pray now as we go for our weeks, Father God, that we'd feel you close to us. Father, that we'd feel you walking through our suffering with us, Father God. And we'd feel you empower us as we walk with those around us who are suffering too. In the name of Jesus. Amen.